We hit the go switch. Not as if the uh, machine behind the switch actually isn't running all the time, gathering information of all kinds from all points of the nation and the globe. Yeah, we wrap it all into one delivery that we call Midday Every Day, and you are in it. I'm Dirk Christensen. Welcome to the Rural Radio Network. And we're playing, uh, I think we know where, because we had a pretty good hint yesterday, but we play Where's Susan to start off today's Midday Roundtable. Susan. I am in Kansas City, Missouri. The National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention is underway, and we're pretty excited because our very own Hannah Borg, our summer intern, is receiving the George Logan Scholarship here at the luncheon. If you can kind of hear the clash of uh, dishes and stuff in the background, we're about ready to get underway with the luncheon. But she is receiving a wonderful um, scholarship to help her out her senior year at UNL. So we're all pretty excited, and we'll be cheering Hannah on. Coming up at 1219, Hefty Seeds has a brand-new location in Seward, so we'll hear more about that coming from Chad Moyer. I caught up with farmer Ken McCulley. He's from White Cloud, Kansas, but he is also president of the Kansas Corn Growers Association. We talk everything from harvest to the farm bill and how it's affecting producers in the Midwest. And then at 117, I'm bringing Randy Crust in with U.S. Farmer and Ranchers Alliance. They've got a new app that is going to make it easy for us to deliver things social media. When I say us, it means all of us within the industry. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the craziness happening here on the midday for the farm department. All right. Well, uh, Susan, you uh, give Hannah our very best, and uh, still uh, folks are raving about her reports from the FFA convention just uh, last week or week before that. So, way to go, Hannah. I, I will do so. And by the way, we are going to Facebook Live on the KRVN Facebook page when she takes her uh, acceptance speech of the scholarship. So, Tune in for that coming up later. Outstanding. We'll let you get back to the appetizers there, Susan and Tim. Everyone who we are sending down to the National Association of Farm Broadcasting in Kansas City. And here we go. Is there an equivalent sports directors uh, organization? If there is, Dirk, I don't know about it. <laughs> Maybe I should dig into that. Yeah. Well, they probably serve hot dogs. Yeah, popcorn. Park, yeah. Snickers. There you yeah. go. What's up in sports, sir? Hey, we'll talk some Husker volleyball and try to keep it rolling tonight as they are at home against Maryland. They continue to be in a good spot as they try to defend their Big Ten regular season title. Also this week, Nebraska defensive coordinator Bob Diaco, who made some interesting comments on Saturday, followed those up with some comments yesterday that have some people all a flutter. We're talking about tackling right now. <laughs> tackling. And how the Huskers have practiced that tackling in the past. And Diaco says it was not practiced before he got there. Former defensive coordinator Mark Banker says that's not true. We worked on tackling. It just all kind of adds up to the malaise that has been the Huskers' season. That was the winter of our discontent, <laughs> huh? <laughs> all right. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll find out more in sports on the way. And at the business desk, it's Bob Brogan. Stocks are down a little bit today. And meanwhile, the uh, lots of things are going on as far as the tax measure is concerned. A new government analysis of the House GOP tax bill says its true cost to the nation's debt are at least $259 billion greater over the coming decade. And uh, other things going on today. Well, Ford is thinking about uh, building an electric car and having some help from the Chinese to do it. All right. Bob, thank you very much for anchoring yesterday's Rural Radio Forum. Great program. Thank you.
And it's time for Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Paul Perkins says, do not panic. The big orb in the sky is a natural phenomenon known as the sun. It's been so long since we've seen it. (laughs) (laughs) We've seen all of it, yeah. It feels so warm out there. Just worlds of difference compared to yesterday. And I'll tell you what, uh, we knew that there were some areas that really got a pile of snow last night, and that just kind of leads into the fact that weather and geography uh, is just kind of related as the way a giant physical science laboratory works because you put a lot of snow you get a little heat pretty soon you got a lot of fog yep exactly they had some quarter mile visibilities in the southwest part of the panhandle into southeast wyoming and still a fair amount of cloud cover from about hyannis in the sand hills down to that southwest part of nebraska but all in us otherwise most of us seeing lots of sunshine across the area and those temperatures warmer than already what we saw yesterday uh high temperatures right now into the low and mid 40s even some locations touching the upper 40s here around 50 including 47 at ogallala and Lexington, and we're as warm as 50 in northeast colorado right now mm-hmm. today we're on the backside of an area of high pressure that's dropping off towards the south some southwest winds and some sunshine leading to much warmer temperatures for today a cold front tonight and a reinforcing shot of some more cold air for tomorrow with high pressure dropping south. We'll cool our temperatures back into the 30s and low 40s. It's going to be colder tomorrow, but we'll probably see a little more sunshine, so it won't be as bad as what we had to kind of go through yesterday with the clouds and those cold temperatures. Our temperatures Friday starting to warm up slightly warmer on Friday, but still cooler than normal as some south winds return off that area of high pressure moving towards the southeast. Saturday going to be even warmer ahead of our next front but sky is going to be fairly cloudy in advance of that front for most of the day some light rain is possible in the eastern part of nebraska and kansas late in the day on saturday the skies will clear behind the front with the passage of this front we're not expecting too much in the way of temperature change for sunday because the air will be pacific and milder as compared to some arctic air with the the cold fronts that we've been seeing of late warmer than normal temperatures are expected early next week as a ridge of high pressure starts to strengthen towards our west that is reflected in the long-term forecast it looks like it's going to continue the long term indicates a strong likelihood nebraska and kansas will experience warmer than normal temperatures Monday through November 21st, mid-November highs in central Nebraska usually average in the upper 40s to low 50s with overnight lows on average in the mid to upper 20s. The likelihood also high that there will be below normal rainfall for Nebraska and Kansas Monday through the 21st. Weather factors in the market today include some mild and dry conditions in the 10-day Midwest harvest forecast and additional rain chances for central Brazil, some cold air will remain in place across much of the central and eastern U.S. over the next few days. And this is something you're definitely going to hear about if you haven't already. A strong secondary surge of cold air will reach the Great Lakes and the northeast U.S. late in the week, along with some rain and snow. And, of course, we'll hear about it because they think they're kind of the center of the universe that way. (laughs) But anyway, late in the week, above normal temperatures for us, That will return across the central and southern high plains. Some corn harvest in the north and eastern Midwest remains on the slow side for the meantime. After some rain and cold temperatures and a little more precipitation on the way, a drier trend in the western Midwest is helping to improve their harvest conditions. Six to ten days from now, it's going to be drier and warmer all across the entire Midwest. In the southern plains remains adequate for the winter wheat despite some recent dry conditions. There is a weak La Nina forecast, and that could continue 
The dry conditions heading into winter dormancy across the southern plains. Also, there was some scattered rain in central Brazil in the last 24 hours, and they are promising more chances for rain through the end of the week that will benefit their soybean planting and crop development. And our ag weather, Paul Perkins, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your rank heat dealer. So <laughs> the, center, <laughs> the center of the earth will uh, let us know what the weather is. We're cold over now. here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess that's absolutely true. We're going to have to, I guess you have to scream and yell to get any attention in this world. <laughs> exactly. All right. right. Well, let's uh, just remind you folks that whenever you need some weather anytime, all you have to do, krbn.com. Pork Federation is expanding efforts to move more products. I'm Shaley Peters with a midday check of your ag news. There's a lot of red meat available for consumption. The U.S. Meat Export Federation is looking at a busy year trying to get that meat out into different markets. Dennis Stifler is the new chair of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, and he says the American trade agenda is a little bit uncertain right now. While U.S. MEF doesn't deal with policy, he says there are ways the group can help overcome some of that uncertainty. Well, I think it's about creating a voice. USMEF is a marketing organization. It's not a policy or advocacy organization. But through our efforts, we can work through those people that are, whether it be the North American Meat Institute or be through the NPPC or the NCBA, that group, all of those to create you know, common grounds so we can move this thing forward and, and protect what we built and further our marketing of this, you know, wall of meat that's coming at us. Stifler says there are two strategies used to promote protein sources across the globe by either price or differentiation from similar products. And the latest Purdue CME Group Ag Economy Barometer showed farmer optimism improving slightly in October, coming in at an index of 135. That's actually the third highest level since the survey began two years ago. The modest improvement during October came about because of increasing optimism for what lies ahead. The index of future expectations increased from 135 to 137 in October, but the index of current conditions was a little lower than the previous month. Compared to the July survey, fewer producers expect higher corn, soybean, and wheat prices over the next 12 months. At the same time, producers don't expect lower prices during that same time period either. Fewer producers expect to make major management changes from a year ago, specifically when it comes to fertilizer application. Similar to last year, 19% of producers expect to lower their seeding rates and 35% of farmers will adjust their seed variety or hybrid hybrid package in 2018. Only one-third of producers plan to reduce fertilizer rates when compared to last year. That's down from 46% when the survey was conducted last year. Likely due to lower fertilizer costs, 80% of producers expect farmland rental rates to be unchanged in 2018. And the American Agricultural Lobby thought that President Trump's trade politics would spare farmers and other in, in agriculture. Politico's Morning Ag report says it was the rural and red state turnout that put Trump over the top in the presidential election. Trump has threatened to issue a formal intent to withdraw from the North American Free Trade Agreement and agriculture can't seem to get its message through.
through. The U.S. exports nearly 18 billion of agriculture goods to Mexico, with exports the main profit driver in agriculture. However, Politico says those numbers don't seem to be registering with the negotiators. To be honest with you, it's difficult because even though we have a lot of support from people within the Trump administration, the president has made comments that have obviously caused us a lot of concerns. Says Kent Bacchus, the international trade director for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Now that the threat of withdrawal seems more like reality rather than a bargaining tactic, there's also a growing recognition that agriculture may not have put together an effective strategy to counter the threat. Gordon Stoner, a Montana farmer who leads the National Association of Wheat Growers, says the only solution may be a grassroots campaign in which farmers, ranchers, and others stand up and demand action. And that's been a quick check of your midday ag news. For more, you can head on over to ruralradio.com. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaley Peters. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network. Let's get an update on some of the activities of the Hefty Seed Company here in Nebraska. Of course, two locations, and uh, looks like we're going to add a third. Here to tell us a little bit more about it is Jacob Goobles. Jacob works out of the West Point location. First of all, give us a little background on the Hefty Company and kind of what's been built in Nebraska so far. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, here in West Point, we're going on our, we'll be on our fifth year of uh, doing business. Laurel will be on our third and uh you know basically what we're excited about is you know bring in a hefty location to seward um seward nebraska and with that being said you know i think on you know what hefty has to offer with our seed knowledge our chemical knowledge and overall knowledge um all the way from fertility all the way to your harvest and your crop you know we're an information company that you know our real focus is we are here to help the grower and it's exciting for us just to get in any new location, and especially the Seward area, to be helping that grower, Chad. Yeah. Well, give us the, uh, what are the plans for the Seward location? What have you got kind of on the books so far? You know, right now, it's seed sale season, you know, so we're talking seed. We've got great products for the lineup for that area. And, uh, you know, coming up also, then we release our full chemical program. And, you know, really with us is we're agronomy with answers and a great price on things. And that's one thing of why, you know, it's such a push for me to say, hey, uh, get in touch with us. Let's sit down. Let's talk about your chemical program. Let's talk about what you're doing on seed and go from there. Will there be a physical location in Seward? Are you going to have some staff working out of there? Without a doubt. You know, right now we're working on staffing up. Um, we do have some guys set in place, you know, as far as that goes. But uh, physical location is going to be about three and a half miles north of Seward. Um, so just north of the Staplehurst Turn, if you're familiar with the area. And uh, right now we got a 12,000 square foot facility going up there. Um, that's just the warehouse. We got about another 2,600 in the office. So uh, we're super excited about that location. So looking ahead to 2018, uh, what do you think is going to be the the focus uh, if if it's resistant weeds or nutrient management, um, the right genetics? What what are you going to be working on? Well, here's the truth: we work on all of them. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you know, starts off, you know, nutrient management's a big thing, but really, you know, a focus we're going to be on is, you guys, we got to be looking at these resistant weeds, you know, and we talk Palmer all the time, but, you know, we're getting, a, there's a whole lot of resistance, resistant weeds out there, and my main focus is to make sure we're just not sitting there, you know, especially on the soybean side, with a problem we can't handle uh, once we get past June. If I had to place one thing of what you know in all my meetings and everything i talk to people about is you know why are we don't want to be there so we really need to be looking at these extend products these liberty products on the soybean side you know it's really just a battle cry because uh 
in the end, why do we want to give so much risk out there not using those products um, when we know we have such a problem? You said the building's going up. You're going to get staffed up. You're going to have people there. In the meantime, if folks would like to talk to you, think about 2018. How can they get a hold of a Hefty in the new Seward location? Yep. Without a doubt, you know, first thing I'm going to tell you, give us a call. We're here to help you. That's what we want to do. So anyway, our number's uh, 402-646-2040. All right, we're going to plan a groundbreaking here in the future at some point. Uh, can I make a little splash with this new building? Yep, tentatively we're uh, we're working on groundbreaking November fourteenth, but you know we'll we'll see how that goes. But uh, we'll also have you know some grand openings. We're going to have people in. We're we're going to create a great thing there. Again, we've been visiting with Jacob Goobles, Hefty Seed. He works out of the West Point location. You've got West Point, you've got Laurel, and building a brand new Hefty Seed location in Seward, Nebraska. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check sports now with Jason Jorgenden. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, the sixth-ranked Nebraska volleyball team is back home tonight as the Huskers host Maryland. Now, NU remains tied with Penn State for the conference lead with just one loss at conference action. And head coach John Cook says the goal now is to stay focused. Winning the Big Ten is probably harder than winning a national championship because it's over 10 weeks, and uh, NCAA tournament's three weeks. So uh, it's something, it's a goal for us every year. We keep it that in-house with each other for each other. Uh, conference is crazy, so we're just we're just staying in the moment right now. That's all we can do. And your schedule could be a little easier the rest of the ways. They don't have another ranked team left on its regular season schedule. Overall, they are twenty and four and have won seven in a row since losing at Wisconsin. Tonight's match is scheduled to start at six in Lincoln. Nebraska defensive coordinator Bob Diaco made more interesting comments yesterday after practice. He says the previous administration had limits on how the Huskers could conduct tackling drills, and he says that's led to issues in the program. You think about a player showing up here who's a really great tackler and then becomes a worse tackler? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So I had no idea until we went to our tackling drill on the first full padded practice of spring football and found that the players were spectacularly frustrated during the drill because they're willing, they're talented enough to tackle, they're tough enough to tackle, they're willing tacklers, they want to do well, but they don't fundamentally know anymore how to tackle. Now, when asked about this, previous defensive coordinator Mark Banker disputed Diaco's claims and says the Huskers did live tackling drills during his two years as defensive coordinator. James Palmer Jr. scored a game-high 27 points while freshman Thomas Allen took glimpses of the future, chipping with 18 as Nebraska used a strong second half to cruise past Northwood 80-62 in exhibition action. Now the Huskers will open up the regular season this Saturday night at home when they take on Eastern Illinois. The NSAA State High School football playoffs continued yesterday and last night in classes D1 and D2. Those teams that moved on through the quarterfinals included East Butler, Howells Dodge, Medicine Valley, and South Loop. In Class D2, Bruning Davenport Shickley, Fall City Sacred Heart, and Mullinall won. And Blue Hill used a field goal with 11 seconds left to knock off Twin Loop 37-34. to And Rockies third baseman Nolan Arenado has won his fifth consecutive Gold Glove Award, while twin center fielder Byron Buxton headlines a group of six first-time winners. Prizes for defensive excellence were announced today. Arenado, Cubs right fielder Jason Haywood, and Royals left fielder Alex Gordon were each honored for the fifth time, most among this year's winners. That is a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More on Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
This afternoon, sunny with a high near 52. Tonight, mostly clear with a low of around 22. And then for Thursday, mostly sunny with a high near 37. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. Laura Matson was a member of the class of 1967 at Loomis High School. After he finished school, he went to fight in Vietnam and was killed in action in 1970. This year at the class's 50th class reunion, a letter from Matson was uncovered that stated that he hadn't graduated. His classmates decided to do something for Matson at this year's Veterans Day celebration in Loomis. Classmate Dave Thorell talks about the event. And we're just trying to correct something that should have been corrected a long time ago. So this Friday, Veterans Day is Saturday. Our event will be Friday at the Loomis School at 10 o'clock. They're having a breakfast for veterans at 9. And there will be uh, the choir from the school will sing. There'll be a video on Wilmer. The Gettysburg Address is going to be read. We're going to sing the national anthem. And then I have the opportunity and very privileged to speak for a few minutes. And then Wilmer's sister, Joyce Dakey from Milford, will accept the diploma on the half of Corporal Wilmer Matson. So proud and honored. We just wanted to let people know this is a special thing. Communities around this area will communities around the area will be celebrating Veterans Day this weekend. There's a lot of construction going on in Lexington, a sign of progress. City manager Joe Pevlage says it's good to see this the years of planning by the city council and community development agency come to fruition. A lot of planning and analysis has been put into uh, into these developments, and uh, the, the timing was right in terms of uh, having very uh, effective uh, cost points to get the infrastructure in place. And you know, it's uh, taking the next step. Uh, we certainly have a housing need, a housing demand, housing shortage, if you will. Now we're trying to meet those needs uh, every way we can. So uh, you know, I think it was a good step, and we look forward to you know, seeing that through and hope for good things. Major construction projects are nearly done in the northwest and just getting going in the southwest parts of Lexington. Voters in Kansas City, Missouri have approved a $1 billion project to build a new privately financed airport in the city. Tuesday's vote followed years of debate on whether to demolish the current three horseshoe-shaped terminals at Kansas City International Airport and replace them with a single terminal. It will be funded by user fees and the airlines, not tax dollars. Our app is the perfect companion to your phone. Download it for free at the App Store or at Google Play. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. From the corn harvest and harvest in general to Washington, D.C., this man covers it all. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Kansas City, Missouri is where we're calling home the whole broadcast team this week as our National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention is underway. So I get the extreme pleasure of not having to talk to him on the phone, but talk to him in person. Ken McCulley is joining us now. He is from White Cloud, Kansas, president of the Kansas Corn Growers Association. Let's first of all talk about harvest because our Nebraska corn growers have had a heck of a harvest trying to get stuff out of the field because of the down corn kind of opposite for you guys in many areas it was a great harvest for us susan and and i think overall we were down one day with a rain or maybe two and then it dried back off and and we had one breakdown at the very well halloween day and it happened to be cold and the only way to fix my electronic problem was to uh, unhook the heater oh. <laughs> the fuse on the cab and it 
I forgot how cold my dad used to get when he did that with the old 101 International Combine. But but uh, it was a great harvest. We uh, it's all in the bin, and we we had to sell some to get the you know to get through the the harvest. But soybean yields were were better than we thought. We thought we would be down 10 bushel from last year, and we weren't. We were like two or three bushel less than last year. So soybeans were a lot better too. But you didn't have to go very far from home to uh, have some really poor almost zero crops so you feel for those anybody with with poor crops and as you're involved in the corn growers you get an opportunity really to kind of get the gamut of what's happening across the state of kansas yeah you 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 gotta be really appreciate twitter and facebook and that's how i learned about your wind we had wind that day but it was nothing like what you had in central nebraska and i think you had it up in northeast but uh we ran into some corn at the end of harvest or just after halloween that was down but nothing like nebraska had that, that looked just terrible Makes for a very uh, frustrating harvest season for them, but I'm glad you guys are done. And now you can move forward with the craziness of, of winter meetings and keeping up with what's going on in Washington, D.C. It's uh, it's amazing that uh, we finish on Thursday, had a little break on the weekend, and here I am in Kansas City talking to you guys because, you know, we always try to be done by Halloween, and, and uh, it's a good time to be finished, but it's a good time to have time to be here, too. Let's talk about Washington, D.C., because there's a lot of issues that have been going on. We know that TPP, which we're not a part of at this point, is sounds like it's going to be pretty much wrapped up this week as the early discussions and talks. Then we've got NAFTA. We have the Farm Bill. So there's a lot of ag issues coming out of that. Oh, there really is. And, and I've got a lot of faith that the harvest, not the harvest, the exports and, and all this, and agriculture will remain pretty pretty whole through this. I think President Trump has a goal to uh, bring some jobs back to the U.S. That's their focus. I just hope we don't lose what we have right now because we re- need all the exports we can get. And I, I really have a lot of faith and face what it's all about right now because you you see all these negotiations on that everybody's doing out in the public and it's i think all these things have happened before it's just now you see them all so i've got a lot of faith that agriculture exports will will be like we've had in the past and it has to because if we start building carryover we'll be back in the sub two dollar corn and we all know what that means that there'll be a lot less of us around do you have some frustration that Looking at NAFTA specifically, agriculture took so long and so many meetings to come to the forefront. Well, it was in the forefront for all of us. Right. But, uh, you know, the, it comes back to we, we've got to be more vocal. And it, the, the small percentage of us that were vocal made a big difference. Just think what it would be like if everybody got that vocal. Because Congress and, and presidents and Sonny Perdue and everybody reacted to our request for EPA, for the RFS, for the Farm Bill, and, and these NAFTA negotiations. But they would react a lot quicker if, if everybody just jumped out of their seats and not screaming, but telling our, pleading our case. So what can a producer that's maybe finishing up on harvesters, putting harvest away for the year, what can they do in this regard? Well, I think you can you can register your voice with with con- your congressman, the state uh, state agriculture secretary. You can belong to an organization of corn, soybeans, wheat, uh, lamb producers, whatever. But you you've got a voice there that will be a voice regardless. But that voice is much higher, a bigger, louder voice if you have fifty thousand members versus. Uh, 
ten thousand or even four thousand. But you know, look at Farm Bureau; they got a voice of you know hundreds of thousands of people, and they have a bigger voice. So, you know, anybody listening today thinking that you, it doesn't matter whether you join a or farm organization or not, it does matter, and it does matter that you relate what you've got to say to them. What are your thoughts on the farm bill? I think the farm bill we have right now is is working. The choice is there. Uh, I was in our FSA office uh, last week and talked to him about it. And the formula for the ARC program, uh, you know, it's pretty, pretty common knowledge that it isn't as good as it needs to be. And I don't see any way of changing it the way the the formula is written and the prices have gone. So it looks to me like the PLC program is what most guys are going to sign up with. I think the CBO has already decided that uh, our, the uh, PLC program is going to be pretty expensive. Comments coming from Ken McCauley, a producer from Kansas. In Kansas City, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. And we're back on the Rural Radio Network and joining us, Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities to assess this uh, livestock futures trade. Joe? Yeah, kind of a debacle in the uh, cattle today. Uh, triple-digit losses right straight across both cattle and feeders. So uh, a lot of liquidation uh, appears, uh, and uh, the technicals kind of took over. Uh, you know, we, we've had uh, a couple of technical signals that uh, in the last couple of days uh, that were negative, and, uh, boy, it uh, really came to pass today with uh, uh, a lot of pressure on the uh, on the cattle. This despite the fact that the uh, cutouts were a little bit higher. Cattle traded just a little bit softer yesterday. What did trade? Haven't heard of anything today um, so far, but uh, all of that just combined to uh, see uh, some real good selling uh, hit the market today. And also in the hogs. The hogs uh, cash looks to be uh, slipping again. Uh, Cutouts were down sharply. Uh, so that, uh, I think, helped justify uh, uh, a little bit further selling. Uh, the December contract tried to hold on because of some discount now to the index, but the index is continuing to slip. So uh, kind of a negative day uh, for the uh, Wednesday. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal can be reached at Great Plains Commodities, 800 Total cattle slaughter first three days this week estimated 351,000. 2,000 more than one week ago, 7,000 more than a year ago. Hog slaughter at 1,385,000. 12,000 more than a week ago and 53,000 more than one year ago. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Imagine if you will... An app that would allow you to do so many avenues of social media, literally at the tips of your fingers. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Randy Krantz is with U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance. He and I sat down here in Kansas City to talk about this app and how it's going to be easy for the producer. Uh, at least in January, maybe a little bit before, certainly on a trial basis before that. We're trying to, uh, we get thumped a lot, agriculture does. You know, we get, uh, we're outnumbered and outgunned in a, in a lot of cases, certainly out um, uh, from a money standpoint and the investment that folks that, that don't uh, agree with our positions on modern agriculture. Uh, <clears throat> so we're challenged by that all the time. And that is, uh, that's the gist of this app, is to try to find a way to 
have farmers, ranchers, agriculturalists, FFA, collegiate FFA, people over 18 years of old, across seed companies, whoever it might be, begin to engage more actively in social media. We're... Our numbers are always, you know, our numbers are inherently low in agriculture, right? Because you know, a million and a half farmers, whatever the number is. Activist groups like PETA and HSUS can turn on 10,000, 100,000 social media taps in a very, very short period of time. You, agriculture gets consistently three to 4,000 maybe on a regular basis and really on a weekly basis about three or four hundred people that are out there actively talking about agriculture consistently talking about agriculture so the goal was to create a tool that agriculture as a whole could use to get content out there easily to talk about sustainability to have farmers make create their own content to watch the news coming in we're all familiar with these kinds of apps whether it's flipboard or other so this is maybe flipboard on steroids from a standpoint of just it's very designed for the farmer uh, and rancher and agriculturalist to take information and get it into social spaces what has been the reaction so far to this as you've kind of started to show it maybe to your board or to other folks so we went with the name engage and if you can if you can visualize that the a and the g are capitalized uh and the rest of it's lowercase the uh so we've been working on this now for eight months. Um, so we had to get the financing for it. We had to do a lot of things. We've had a lot of support from the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance Board of Directors and, and at various committees. And so across the board, whether it's National Cattlemen's Beef Association or uh, the Corn Growers or Farm Bureau or all the other hundred different alliance partners that are part of USFRA, we had to have their support to go do this. So... Uh, we, we just pulled the curtain back a little bit this week at our board meeting, and it went over very well. And, and so now we'll kind of start the beta testing to where we really get people to take a look at this and see if we're headed in the right direction. If you need a beta tester, sign me up. Well, absolutely. We'd love to do that, as a matter of fact. We, we're looking for folks uh, from kind of all walks of life in agriculture to take a look at it and see if it is what we want it to be. We're always wanting farmers and ranchers content primarily, but we need everybody. We really do. We need farmers showing what they're doing to be sustainable and getting that content online and ranchers and and livestock producers to show how they care for animals and why we can find livestock, why we use medications that we use. Again, the plan is to roll out this app in early January. From Kansas City, Missouri, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Today we talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Are we still just uh, biding time here uh, before a report tomorrow? Well, you know, I have to say I like the price action today. I thought there was a real opportunity for us to dive into the number tomorrow, maybe trade into those lows, but we we actually rallied. Uh, I think beans are obviously leading things up here. Front month beans, which is now January, I've had a hard time with $10. Uh, we traded 10 plus in the Jan contract a few weeks ago, but that was uh, when, when November was still the lead month. So you're probably seeing some profit taking by the funds there. 
you know, if you're looking for surprises, which I think, you know, given that everybody kind of tends to want to know these things ahead of the number, right now what the trade knows, and I'm using quotations here, is that the yields in corn are higher and the beans are a little bit, a little bit questioned. I wouldn't be shocked to see the USD throw a curveball and keep everything as is. And if they do that, I think the more the board could even rally a little bit on corn. Uh, but I, I do think folks who are, are moving into the Thanksgiving time period and making cash sales, you know, 355 to 360 is probably about, I don't know, I, I just don't see much level, much rally above that. Wheat numbers are, you know, kind of sagging here, and, and without a, a story there, I don't think corn's going to get much upside. At the same time, don't you think traders here, uh, short bought, might, uh, you know, change things tomorrow in this market? I, I think the, the biggest powder keg right now is just the fact that everybody's on the one side. I'm saying kind of like everybody betting on black in, in the roulette, and it just continues to come up black and continue to come up black, and at some point it'll come up red and everybody will get taken down. And, you know, I, th- that's a weather threat, though, and, and there's just little to change right now. South America uh, doesn't have much of a, of a story yet. It's, it's drying out. Um, and, and really, what, like I said, you're looking for heat, and right now there's no extreme heat in the forecast. Um, you know, but I look at soybeans and, and the continued rally here on kind of global factors, money flow maybe wanting to come back into commodities. Those are all things that could get the shorts uh, moving out. Uh, I just think in the short run, and I'm saying over the next two, three weeks, there's enough producers out there who need to move grain that uh, I, I look for the basis to widen out on any rally. So my advice to folks is that you really don't look to reown it on rallies. Let's re-own it on breaks. If you, if you can buy March corn sub 360, I think that's a good chance to re-own it. Uh, if we catch a move and you're, say, selling December corn up around 365, I wouldn't re-own the March up around 370, 375. That doesn't seem like a lot of high probability to, to at least not, not get uh, take some heat in the short term. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst at Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Now, you can go to their website, danielsagmarketing.com, or call John Direct at 866-825-8561. Dewey Nelson reporting.